Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Dan Glucksman, Senior Policy Director at the International Safety Equipment Association, about using PPE to mitigate heat stress. And now, on to the interview. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thank you very much. Uh, right, we started, you can tell me a little bit about yourself and the ISCA. Sure. Um, well, let me tell you about ISCA first and then uh, a little bit about myself. The International Safety Equipment Association is 85 years old, uh, and there's about, well, in the U.S., we are the association for companies that design, test, manufacture, and supply a wide range of personal protective equipment, uh, kind of from head to toe. So ISCA members, um, again, design, test, uh, and supply a wide range of stuff from hard hats to eye and face protection. Uh, face shields, protective garments, gloves, high-vis vests, um, and protective footwear, in addition to gas detection equipment and wash and shower equipment. Um, we write ANSI standards for a number of those, such as the high-visibility vests, uh, eye wash and shower, hard hats, and gloves. Um, and so we are an ANSI-accredited standards writing organization. We uh, you know, are based here in DC and with members around the country and a few around the globe. Um, I started here at ISCA in 2000. So um, I've been here for, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, in my role here, I'm the legislative and regulatory affairs kind of lead, but also do a lot of the standards work as well. So it's never the same thing twice. Um, and whether it's export controls or funding for OSHA or funding for you know, firefighter grant program, there's always um, a lot going on here at ISCA. Um, we get involved with, again, a range of also regulatory issues from OSHA, uh, Commerce Department, to some degree uh, the State Department, and certainly HHS. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about heat stress, uh, which, you know, yep. It's definitely been uh, one of the hotter summers that I can remember in my life. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, how has this brutally hot summer affected workers and sort of, you know, the tendency to get heat, to deal with heat stress? It's, um, it is, as far as I can tell, sort of a good news, bad news story. I mean, there are a lot of workers who um, doing construction are wearing kind of loose fitting, uh, class three uh, ensembles for high visibility, meaning they've got pants and vests. Uh, but makers of high visibility safety apparel are now making, um, again, loose fitting garments so that when they are out there all day in the heat, you know, directing traffic or doing their work, uh, they're in loose fitting clothes that allow for airflow and to minimize heat stress. Workers are also taking advantage of some of the new sort of heat stress um, solutions such as hard hat shades to minimize heat, you know, on the back and neck. But at the same time, we're also seeing, and I think the world has seen, some of these uh, recordings of delivery drivers who are passing out on people's front porches. Yeah. Um, so it's been um, sort of sadly a good news, bad news story. Um, some employers sort of got the message and are, are proactively protecting workers. And others um, need to step it up. 
thoughts on how OSHA and state governments are addressing heat stress? So certainly, I think many people applauded OSHA's National Emphasis Program, or the NEP, that came out in April, which really told the nation's employers that, uh, you know, that OSHA is now recognizing heat stress as, as a workplace hazard. And certainly to 70, or employers in those 70 um, national, um, or, or the North American Industry Classification Codes, or NAICS codes, uh, certainly need to get the message because OSHA will be focusing on those, um, or employers in those NAICS codes um, over the next three years. I think that, um, so that message is kind of being heard loud and clear. I think we'll know more as OSHA finalizes some of the early citations based on the NAICS codes or based on the NEP. Um, those aren't public yet because I don't think the citations have been sort of completed and, and posted. Uh, but we'll know more about where OSHA is leading. Um, you know, I think some of the states are, are moving forward. I know Nevada, which runs its own um, you know, OSHA-based uh, health and safety program, has implemented the, the NEP, the National Emphasis Program. But the states that run their own state-based OSHA operations aren't required to implement an NEP because uh, it's not standard. Mm -hmm. So these states have to implement OSHA standards and regulations, but not the NEPs. So ISCA will be reaching out to um, those states that run their own OSHA program that haven't implemented the NEP and ask them to do so. Um, and then some states obviously have pretty strong heat stress programs. Right. I know California has been pretty... Uh... Uh, on the ball with it. I think uh, Minnesota, Washington, definitely, you know, I think after last summer, which was pretty hot, you know, some of these states to, you know, put some some steps in, uh, into effect that, that would help workers out in those hot conditions. No, you're exactly right. And, and Minnesota has one for indoor heat, and hopefully they will um, expand their reg to do um, outdoor heat as well. Um, and California's, you know, egg for ag workers really has has kind of come into its own. Um, as I understand, you know, employers are on board. Um, they're working with, you know, their workforces or labor unions to uh, to fully implement the California Ag Heat Stress Rule, and and it's really helped to save a lot of um, lives and save uh, people from trips to the hospital or or other uh, injuries. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, uh, there are plenty of professions that have indoor uh, heat stress, you know, working in a restaurant, kitchen, or a warehouse, or, you know, other places like that where, you know, you may not be outside, but you're still experiencing a, you know, a, a large amount of, or serious amount of heat uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. I know warehouses are in the uh, the NEP. Um, as I recall, restaurants aren't, but I think you're exactly right, especially if the kitchen staff is wearing black. Um, they're cooking in the in the summer. Uh, it's a serious heat stress um, kind of situation. Um, you know, ISA hasn't directly reached out to, say, the Restaurant Association, but I would think that um, that restaurants 
uh, should be aware of the heat stress issue, especially because OSHA and the NEP has prioritized cases where, um, or situations where the employee calls to uh, report heat stress. Um, those go pretty much to the top of OSHA's list. So um, certainly you're right about the restaurants that uh, it's rife for heat stress um, for a number of reasons. And hopefully we'll see more restaurants taking action on that. What do uh, employers in general need to know about heat stress? I think a number of things. One, that they need to know what some of the early signs are. Um, for example, um, muscle cramping or it's kind of seemingly paradoxical skin that's kind of cool to the touch. Um, employers also need to know that employees really need to self-pace. That is, employees know, you know, when their body is overheating and when to take a break and drink water. Um, and that the thing employers need to know is that uh, in some ways they don't need to be experts on heat stress, but they need to at least be mindful and have some kind of proactive heat stress program. Something that says employees can uh, self-pace and take water breaks as needed and to have some kind of instituted rest breaks. Um, the uh, American Society of Safety Professionals, or ASSP, mm -hmm. uh, will be coming out with a, um, a standard. It's a program management standard for heat stress, and that will really help employers of all sizes understand what they need to do uh, to implement a, um, a heat stress program at work. Um, because as you get more involved, the larger the, your, the workforce is, I think the more um, the more elements uh, a heat stress program management needs to have. But also just making sure the workers hydrate. Uh, employers should know if if the workers are sort of acclimatized, like have they been doing some other kind of related strenuous work before coming onto the, the job site. Um, and of course, I think if employers provide uh, not only water and shade, but heat stress PPE and electrolyte replacement, you know, water or some type of, um, whether it's Gatorade or Squinter or something, uh, so that the workers um, are getting that electro electrolyte replacement uh, is important throughout the workday. Yeah, let's talk about PPE. Um, you know, what are some ways to use PPE to mitigate heat stress? There's um, kind of a wide range now. And this will, I shouldn't say now, I think there always has been, but there's more uh, focus on it now. There are what we like to call, or as the manufacturers call, enhanced evaporative technologies. And these are those um, bandanas, cooling towels, or even hard hat inserts. Uh, that have a mix of fabrics. Some of the fabrics absorb the water, like off the skin, and other fabrics are designed to like push the water out to the uh, edge of the garment so it evaporates into the air. Uh, there are also some face change vests, and these are vests that have um, little pockets for um, a face change material. This is sort of a substance that solidifies quickly when put in cold water or a freezer, and then it uh, thaws 
kind of evenly over a couple of hours at a constant uh, temperature. And then there's also evaporative uh, vests. So the, again, the fabric um, holds water uh, and helps to, you know, draw um, heat away from the body over time. And then there's a couple of other um, technologies for those who are kind of in stationary positions. There are air-cooled vests. And of course, um, you know, tents, um, shade tents can now be evaluated for their technologies. For example, some shade tents have, um, you know, some UV uh, protection woven into the fabric or mm -hmm. impregnated into the fabric. So that's kind of important. It's more more than just your average, you know, um, picnic shade tent. There's also some hard hats now that have a um, sort of a little piece of metal on the top that helps to reflect UV radiation. <laughs> so employers are really, yeah, um, they're kind of cool. So employers are really investing uh, in R&D, listening to the voice of the customer and figuring out how they can to um, really minimize heat stress now that there's this greater recognition of the hazards of heat stress. Um, so, and who knows, I'm sure we'll see more, more of these technologies coming. Uh, how widespread is the use of, uh, of these kinds of technologies, would you say? Is it still um, kind of in its early stages? You know, I think it is, even though there is some widespread use. Um, I do think that uh, more and more as heat stress is becoming, again, this recognized hazard, and, and now that OSHA is out there, you know, saying that they will cite against it, um, and then this, the, the, uh, and the state pro programs that have heat stress um, regs are, you know, are citing and uh, and making that just kind of more known to the public. I think we we'll, we will see more use, um, and also I think as the world sees the sees these videos again of, you know, workers passing out on front porches, um, that raises the awareness better or worse more than probably anyone can do in a press release or um or a public statement yeah i mean it's not it's not exactly a new problem i mean heat stress has been around i'm sure as long as people have been working but yeah um you know what why do you think it's becoming more of a you know uh top of mind now than say it was 20 years ago i think there's a couple of things um I think it is advocacy from uh, groups like ISCA um, and others. Um, uh, Public Citizen has been a leader on this issue. Uh, Congresswoman Judy Chu of California has also been a leader of this issue. She made heat stress an issue uh, um, when she was the leader of the California General Assembly and helped to create the, the law that has now become the California Regulation. She's also been a leader in Congress, and she's been pushing on um, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh to take action and to continue the action. Certainly, um, the Biden administration's uh, or the Biden White House memo to OSHA to help OSHA to take action has has done something. So I think it's it's a little bit of everyone. Um, uh, I know there's the famous phrase that. Um, Victory has about a thousand children or something on those lines. But um, I think there's a lot of advocates that have been at this for a while 
and uh, their moment has come. Certainly, you know, climate change is part of that. Uh, so I think it's this confluence of, of many things kind of coming together at this moment. What do you think needs to happen in the next five to 10 years, uh, you know, sort of as we, you know, you know, the awareness is there now and, and you know, starting to take some action and things, things are rolling out, you know, what, what are sort of the next steps that employers and, and I guess even the government needs to kind of take as, as we move forward, you know, dealing with heat stress? I think a couple things. So, um, and again, as more uh, materials that help employers understand how to create um, an effective, you know, heat stress uh, program come out, I think we'll see more of those. So certainly employers now need to be mindful and aware and proactive on, on heat stress issues. Um, as I understand the uh, House um, Education and Labor Committee took up Congresswoman Judy Chu's bill um, in late April, and they modified her bill to call on OSHA to create a, um, what they call an interim final rule within uh, 12 months. And an interim final rule is one where OSHA publishes it and it's immediately effective on publication. Um, so certainly an OSHA interim final rule on, on heat stress would be effective. Um, but more and more, I think the advocates on, in the whole world of, of heat stress, everyone from, again, manufacturers who are designing these heat stress solutions to um, health and safety organizations and other worker advocates, as, long, as well as employers that are looking to implement the latest in, um, in safety. Uh, I mean, together with you know, state and local governments, insurers, um, I think are all part of the solution of of creating um, effective heat stress programs for workers. All right. Well, let's hope uh, you know because I don't think it's going to get any cooler over the next five no. minutes. So let's hope keep uh, keep yeah. innovating, right? Exactly. Well, Dan, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thank you, Jay. That wraps up episode one twenty four of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.